Well, good morning. How's everybody today? What a great church. I love this place. And I know Pastor Ben is uh, counting on you. You know, one of the things that uh, you never know when you're the pastor and you go away for a while, what's going on back there. But one of the things that I want you to do more than anything, and I saw in your bulletin that you have it outlined every day to be praying for him. Please, this is a very, very important time in this church's history, not just in his, but I believe that God is going to impart some truth to him and to his family that's going to bless you for years to come. And so be in prayer for him. Pray that God will cover and protect him, give him new insights, education, blessing, and most of all, anointing for the years that are ahead. You guys have some awesome things in store. I'm excited about the kids. I mean, what a neat... We've just come through some neat things. We're attending Grand Rapids first now, and they, they have such an emphasis on this next gen now, and Pastor Sam is talking a lot about how important it is to reach the kids, and it has just hit my spirit so hard. The reason that I left Trinity was because I felt they needed the next generation. They needed to young up the church. They needed their focus to be on my kids' age, pastors, and then the leaders and the teachers and the children of the next generation. I've been to way too many Assemblies of God and mainline churches that are just dying. They're doing a great job of ministering to old people, but they're not bringing in the new ones. We have got to young up the church. We've got to be reaching them. So this is huge for you guys to get involved in the children's ministries. Get involved with the youth. And let them know that you're behind them and that you're praying for them. And more than that, you're investing in them. So please, uh, that's awesome stuff. And I'm excited. Excited about this church. Excited to have this opportunity. Turn to Hosea's book, chapter 2. And we're going to talk a little bit about God's love this morning. But this is actually something that struck me a couple of years ago. And I spent some time studying, preparing this series of messages called Getting Real. How important it is for us to really understand what God made us to be and how we are to experience him in our lives and then through us to the people around us. In Luke 19, there's a great story about Zacchaeus. I'll get here to Hosea in just a minute. But you know the story about Zacchaeus. He was this little tax collector. And here we find Jesus kind of heading toward Jerusalem. And along the way, he runs into this little guy in this tree who happens to be a rich tax collector in the city. And Zacchaeus is standing there trying to get as close as he can to Jesus when all of a sudden Jesus looks up into that tree and he sees this little guy up there and he invites himself to his house. Now that's the only time Jesus ever did that in scripture where he actually invited himself to the guy's house. And he did a couple of things there with Zacchaeus. He called him by name. He obviously knew him. And there's a lesson in that for us. God knows exactly who we are, where we are, what we are, and what our potential is before we ever even find it out. But he sees Zacchaeus and he invites himself over to his home. And the object for us is to understand that as we're walking through life, We've got to be looking for these guys who are looking at us. Understand, our lives are lived as living letters. We're actually, we have Jesus on us and in us so that other people will be able to find him. And as Jesus is walking, here is Zacchaeus in this sycamore tree. I thought it was great. It's a sycamore tree. You might remember as seek him more tree. That's where he was. He was in this seek him more tree and he was looking and all of a sudden he finds Jesus. Jesus invites himself to his house. And the thing about Jesus is that he's always going to make it a little uncomfortable for us. 
You know, one of the things you're going to find when you're living for him is right when you think you're in that comfortable spot, all of a sudden he's going to call you up to the next level. He's going to ask you to get involved in the nursery. He's going to ask you to get involved with the kids. But, Lord, I'm doing great right where I am. You know, I'm having a lot of fun just kind of receiving all this great stuff from the church every week with a wonderful pastor, great congregation, good friends. Why do I need to get involved? And God is just saying, come on. There's more. There's more that I want to pour into your life, but in order for you to receive it, you've got to go for it. You've got to climb the tree. You've got to get into that seek him more tree and begin to reach out to him. But Jesus went over to Zacchaeus' house, and the important lesson, I think, for us above everything else there is that people is our goal. Our goal is always other people. We've got to love them, we've got to reach them, we've got to let them know the love of Christ that we've been given, and we've got to understand that every blessing God has given us in our lives is not for us, but it's for other people. And it may be just the example of the receipt of God when we walk in obedience to him, but it also is to be used in order to reach people for him. Now, I want to move into this passage in Hosea today. I'm calling this real love, and it's a subject that I... I think all of us need to get real about real love because love can mean so many different things. I mean, I love blackberry pie. You know, I I love the way that Dustin Johnson hits a golf ball. Man, you know, I love to read books about American history. I love, you know, my kids. I love my mom and dad. I, you know, there are so many things that I love. But what is real love according to God? Well, we're going to find some interesting things in this story about Hosea that's going to help us to understand what real love is and how it's fleshed out. Here's Hosea. Let me just kind of paint. I'm going to start in verse 2 or chapter 2 here in a minute. But Hosea finds himself at the beginning of this chapter and his head is spinning. His heart felt like it was, it was going to beat out of his chest. His eyes welled up with tears, tears of anger, tears of hurt, frustration, betrayal. This sick feeling just permeated through his gut. He could feel it down in there as he looked at the expressions on his kids' faces because his worst nightmare had just come to pass. His wife had run out on him. She left. He'd heard the rumors. He'd heard that his wife was seen with other men around town. He knew that something was going on that was more than just talk. But that evening, as he tried to prepare dinner as best he could and help his kids with their homework, And he tried to answer this poignant question that they asked, when is mommy coming back? You could imagine what he was feeling in those moments. It was hard. I mean, it was the most difficult thing that he'd ever been through in his whole life. And that night he got ready for bed and he noted that the closet was empty, but he stepped in just to see if he couldn't catch a lingering fragrance of his wife who'd been there before. And he had to say to God, why me? Why me? I'm a prophet. I I spend my whole life trying to understand the things of God and to share everything you've given me with others. Why do I have to go through this? And that's what begins this incredible story that is told to us through the prophet Hosea. And it's a love story, really, between Hosea and his wife, Gomer. Now, it's sad that she was probably the prettiest girl in the whole county and I believe she must have been to handle a name like Gomer (laughs) I mean speaking of Gomer how many of you remember Gomer Pyle remember Gomer Pyle 
There he is up there. Gomer Pyle. I remember that. I remember sitting in there on my shag carpeting watching reruns of Gomer Pyle. You know, I got fond memories of him. What a great show. Well, Gomer, something happened to Gomer. He was changed at one point when he saw for the first time Luann Povey. You remember Luann? Luann was actually this nightclub singer that couldn't sing. And, and, but, but she was, to Gomer, she was everything. And the first time Gomer looked on her, he didn't have words to express how he felt. I mean, golly. <laughs> but what he said when he saw Luann was this word, shazam. You remember that word? Shazam. I tell you, that's the word that says it all. Now, I'm not sure what it means, but I know this. When I first looked on Avery in that business class, when she walked in the door, that's what was in my heart, shazam. And I got up from my seat and went and sat next to her. Six weeks later, we were engaged to be married. <laughs> that happens sometimes, that, that otherly world kind of love that just gets inside of you and grabs you in your gut. But there's a double drama that takes place here in the book of Hosea. The first drama is being played out with Hosea and Gomer, and it's a tragic love story, sure is. But the second drama represents God's love and God's concern for his people. And that's just as important, in fact, more so for us today is to see that side of the story. God's feelings for you and for me. Getting a handle on how does God see us? How does he respond when we break his heart? When we are disobedient and we run from him, what does he do? Well, the premise is this. Running from God will always run you right into him. It happens every time. When you try to run from God, you're going to begin to see him everywhere. That's what happens. That's because God doesn't give up on you even when you give up on him. The Bible tells us that even when we are faithless, he is faithful. He comes after us. The Holy Spirit will dog you all the way to hell. I believe that any sinner being chased by the Holy Spirit, if you just turn around right on the edge of hell and look, you'll find Jesus right there with his arms out. He's right there. All you've got to do is to turn around, run into the arms of Christ. Understand that when you run from him, you're going to end up running into him anyway. And we've all run from God, one way or another. We've all been running from him. Maybe it's just in little acts of disobedience where you know you should do this, you know you should say that, you know you shouldn't say this, and yet you do it anyway. You know in your heart, and you're running from God in those moments. You're not doing what he has for you. And the trouble is, for most of us, we don't get what we've missed out on. We don't understand the blessings that God has in store for those who will simply obey. Simply trust him. Simply do what he asks us to do. It's amazing what God wants for us. I've done it. You know, I've gotten away from God. But then you feel this touch on your arm. And it's God saying, where are you running to? Where are you going? What are you trying to accomplish? Understand, I have more for you here than you'll ever find there. God's kind of like this guy I played racquetball with. I used to play a whole lot of racquetball right when I was about the time he was born. Uh, <laughs> when I was a younger man, I used to play a lot of racquetball. And, uh, and I thought I was pretty good. I went down to the YMCA one week, though, and 
when I was down there, I was waiting for somebody who didn't show. And there's a guy, they used to have these challenge courts where anybody could play. And there was an old guy in there, probably 80 years old. Uh, they seemed like it at that time. And he's in there hitting these lobs to himself, just in the court hitting these lobs to himself. And I thought, well, hey, I've got nothing going on. I like to have a game. I stepped in there and asked if he'd like to play. He said, sure. So I thought, well, I don't want to take advantage of this old guy. So the first serve, I just kind of lob it down the middle and bam, he puts that thing dead in the right-hand corner and hits his point, you know, just like that. Bam, it was over with. And I thought, whoa, you know, hey, I guess you want to get in the game. So I get over there and I'm hitting these hard power Z serves. I'm hitting the lobs that die in the corner. I'm doing all the stuff that you need to do to win a racquetball game. And this guy is eating my lunch. I mean, everything that I give him, he's just bam, to an inch, you know, right, rolls back. I mean, unbelievable. He was just putting me away, and I could not shake him. He was just there. Every, every serve, everything I tried, every, I'd hit it off the ceiling. I'd lob it to the back corner. I'd do everything I could, and this guy just killed me. He slaughtered me. In the end, I, he'd let me score maybe one or two points a game just so I didn't go off crying in the corner. But other than that, he just had me. He owned me. Well, understand, that's what happens with God's love. He's there on you all the time. And we, we need to respond to this pursuing God. And God does some things to help us to receive that love. There's three things in particular that he does I want to focus on in the rest of the time that we have here today. The first one is that he barricades us with briars. There in verse 6, he starts out saying, therefore. And as you've no doubt learned, every time you find therefore in the Bible, you need to ask yourself, why is it therefore? What is that therefore? Well, therefore, I will block her path with thorn bushes. I will wall her in so that she cannot find her way. God loves you enough to make your way painful. You know, there are going to be times when God is not going to put up with things, oh yeah, you have a free will and you can continue to sin, but understand the Bible tells us that the way of the transgressor is hard. It's not easy. And you might think so, but because that's where everybody's going and that's the they out there and they're rolling, they seem to be doing well and they're doing their thing, you know, just a little drink here, a little pot here, a little this there, and, and they, everything seems to be going good for them. But you start down that path and God is going to make sure some bumps are going to start getting you. Some thorns are going to start pricking you. And it may be just a, an inappropriate traffic stop where you end up with something on the seat that shouldn't have been there. It may be who knows what it's going to be. But just know this, that God has a way of making things hard. Anytime you have God saying, therefore, you better look at that carefully because he's got some things that he wants to show you. He loves you, and he loves you enough to put a hedge of thorns around you, just like he did here for Gomer. She'll, in verse 7, it says, she'll chase after her lovers but not catch them. She'll look for them but not find them. He'll make sure that you get lost in what you're trying to do and that it turns right back on you, and you end up by your own devices getting yourself in more trouble than you started in. She feels those briars in her life. Something starts happening in Gomer's life. She was tooling around Samaria in her black Mercedes Benz and then she begins to scales, scale back down a little bit. She gets some miles on her. She's not as attractive as she used to be. Pretty soon she's driving an Impala and, and she feels those briars like a dog in a yard with an electronic fence. You know, we had a 
Norwegian Elkhound when I lived out in California as a kid. And that dog, he was the most persistent brute we've ever had for a dog ever. I mean, you didn't, you didn't walk Eric. You didn't, you didn't even run Eric. He ran you. You just get a hold of that leash, let him out the door, and man, your arm is out of joint, and he's off to the races. And in the backyard, he was all the time trying to tear down the fence or tear a hole through the fence or dig a hole under the fence. We put all kind of barricades up. We put up one of those electronic fences. You know what those, those electronic fences? I thought, man, you know, I didn't try it myself, but I've heard it's pretty painful. And uh, we put that on him, rang a little buzzer, made a lot of noise, and it also gave him a little bit of a shot, you know. And we thought, well, that's going to stop him. Man, he'd just blow through that like it was nothing. I mean, it was like, what was that, a mosquito? And he just zip. Just, he was off to the races. Nothing would stop him. But understand that where he's going, there's no one there to take care of him. And if we could just leave him to his own devices long enough and weren't afraid he couldn't find his way back because he was so stupid, we would, we would find that he'd end up right back at your door because there'd be nothing out there for him. They're, they're, just like the prodigal son, you find yourself out there eating in the pigsty, eating the slop, because there's nothing out there for you. You think that disobedience to God and running your own way is going to give you something? No, it's just all it's going to give you is pain and grief. And that's what we find when we get away. And that's what Gomer found as well. She kept going. She began to have some problems. God was still chasing her, loving her, yet she started experiencing these difficulties. God probably said, Hosea, do you know where Gomer is? And Hosea probably answered, said, yeah, Lord, I, I know where she is. I, 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 I just don't know how to get to her. And God asked him at one point when she found herself in that situation where she didn't have very much living with this lover, God told Hosea to bless her through her lover. To give her money and food and gifts through her lover. Now, I don't know how you'd feel about that, but I got to tell you, if my wife had left me and were living with somebody else and I wanted her back, I don't think I could go and bless her through her lover, who of course took credit for everything himself. I mean, there's no way. She never did know that it was Hosea giving those gifts. It was her lover. He's the one that gave it to her. Why? Because God told Hosea to do this. What was he trying to tell him? He was trying to tell him that at any cost, you continue to reach out. You continue to love her. Even when she turns you, her back on you, even when she's, when she's with other men, you continue to pursue her. You love her back to yourself. Even though Hosea, I'm sure, walking away from that situation is saying to himself, what a jerk. I can't believe I'm doing this. God, what are you putting me through? Why did God put Hosea through that kind of stuff? Because he wanted to make the point that I will never stop loving and living up to the covenant I've made with my people. He will always love us. He will always reach out to us. Here we have God standing at a distance like Hosea, just shaking his head, saying they don't, they don't get the source. They don't understand. Who is it that's giving the blessing? You know, we have to continually look back to God. Who gets the credit when you're blessed? You know, is it because you work so hard, because you're so good, because you're obedient? Or do you give it back to God? You say, man, it was never me. Understand, we can't truly earn anything but damnation. Everything that we have is a gift. The breath you breathe, for crying out loud. A healthy body, the ability to make wealth. Everything that you have comes from God. And if he doesn't get the credit for everything, if you start trying to move in between like that lover would, and you say, no, no, it's because I worked so hard. 
because I'm so smart, because I'm so educated, because I, I've become so popular because of my position, because of my well-being. But you've got to stop and say, wait a minute. All of those things all came from the same place. They all came from God. Everything we have came from him. So God will put a hedge of thorns around you when you start getting into trouble. And secondly, he begins to systematically remove your resources. Gomer scaled down from an Impala to a 12-year-old Ford. And we're, we're, doing, we're discovering here that it gets worse in Hosea 2.9. He says, therefore, I will take back my grain at harvest time, my new wine in its season. I will also take away my wool and my flax given to cover her nakedness. In the message paraphrase, it says it like this. I'm about to bring her up short. No more winning and whining and dining. Silk lingerie and gowns, are, they're a thing of the past. I mean, think about it. God barricades us in with briars, and then he systematically begins to remove your resources. You know, my mind would quickly go to that quintessential running man, Jonah. I mean, look... <laughs> Look at Jonah. I mean, God's telling him to go, and he refuses to go to Nineveh he, and tell the Ninevites about him. He, he just runs the other way as fast as he can, but you understand how God took care of that. You know, he put him on a boat where he prophesied of his own demise. He said, the reason that we're going through this terrible storm, we're all going to drown, is because of me. I've been running from God. And so they took care of it for him and tossed him over, overboard, right? And then the fish swallows him up, and while he's sitting in there in the bile and the acid in the belly of this fish, He's probably thinking of somewhere along the way, I probably made a wrong turn, you know. <laughs> and then the fish blesses him by puking him up right at the right spot so he can go finish the call of God that God put on his heart. And, of course, you know the rest of the story. The prodigal son, of course, another example. But any time that you begin to seek freedom apart from God's will, you're going to find yourself in a tough spot. Seeking your freedom causes you to break the principles and precepts of God when it does that, folks, you are in for destruction. There's nothing good that's going to come of it for you. And, and that's not sometimes. That's all the time. When we get away from God because we think we can do it better, I'm telling you that you can't, and you're going to pay a price for it. Many people run around in chains these days believing that they're free. I mean, you can look around at the Whitney Houstons and the, you know, the Heath Ledgers and all of the people that have, been had had everything that they ever wanted the tiger woods they seem to have everything they ever wanted and they start going their own way and what comes is absolute destruction the devil doesn't want to hurt you he wants to kill you he wants your total separation from god and as soon as you can get off into that sin he's going to redouble his efforts to destroy your life so that there's no hope of heaven left that's what he wants to do but here we find gomer she's in debt just barely surviving, and she, she developed a plan again on her own to sell herself back into slavery. Prostitution wasn't bad enough, so she's going to sell herself back into slavery. Here she is married to the spokesman of God, Hosea, and she's still considering auctioning herself off to be sold into slavery. you got to say to yourself, well, what was she thinking? I mean, if she'd have just gone back to Hosea, even at that point, at least there was a chance. The prodigal son did that. He finally went back to his dad. Here she is selling herself into slavery because she thinks that will then solve her problems. Talk about getting to the bottom of yourself. I mentioned there are three things that God does when we run from him. You know, we talked about those. He, he hedges us in with thorns, and then he takes away the resources. But then he does one more thing. He knows what to do. 
He tells Hosea, you realize what's going on with your wife? You realize that she's about to be sold into slavery? She's going on the block today? Did you know that? You know what I would do? I would buy her back. I would reinstate her. This is God to Hosea. Hosea's thinking about this wife who's been living with all these other men and now is being sold into slavery. But that's what God does. God buys us back. He doesn't leave us there. In verse chapter 3, verses 2 and 3, So I bought her for myself for 15 shekels of silver and a homer and a half of barley. And then I said to her, You shall stay with me for many days. You shall not play the harlot, nor shall you have a man. So I will always be toward you. Wow. I will always be toward you. God will not. Hosea had God's kind of love. I mean, can't you just see him walking out of the home, looking at his kids and, and, and telling them that he was going to buy their mommy back? I mean, just imagine what was going through his mind and theirs. Can't you see that auctioneer up there, standing there with Gomer, standing there absolutely stripped naked, as was the custom when they would be sold on the block? Can't you just hear the auctioneer beginning the bidding? And then Hosea bidding 14 pieces of silver. And the auctioneer hears the gavel, and he, he passes down the gavel, and he says, sold. Gomer didn't know. She didn't know who it was that was bidding from the back of the room. The Bible says that he bought her, Gomer her clothes. He covered her nakedness. Can't you see Gomer just staring? Hosea, are you kidding me? After everything I've done, you bought me back? I mean, at, at that point, Hosea could have killed her. He had every right. He could have had her stoned. He could have done it himself. He could have tortured her or abused her. He could have sold her to someone else. He owned her. She was his property. But he didn't. He reinstated her. He brought her back into the family. You see, Gomer was Hosea's wife. He had an otherworldly, supernatural, traditional love going on here that relates to where we're at. That auction block thing is what happens in your life and mine. That's what happened to us. In a real sense, we're standing on the auction block right now. And the auctioneer out there is saying, let's start the bidding. And, and people are bidding for you. Power, pressure, wealth, sensuality, money. Those things are bidding for you right now. The world is bidding. It wants you. And the bidding is going on in a heated way. The devil wants every part of you he can get. But somehow in the back of the room, there's a nail-pierced hand that goes up. And it's the hand of Jesus Christ. And Jesus stands and with words of authority, humility, and supernatural power, he says, I have spilled my blood for that one. And I claim him as mine. When the auctioneer hears that, folks, the gavel's coming down. He says, no one can pay a higher price than that. The blood of God himself paid for you when you were a sinner, when you weren't worthy of it, when you were going your own way, thinking everything was going to be great until it all fell apart in a pile of filth at your feet. And still God loves you and bought you back. He forgives you. He reinstates us. He gives us a home in heaven, a purpose, 
a purpose in this life that's like none other that we've seen. It's the kind of love that Jesus has for you, for me. Even when we run from that, he might barricade us with briars. He might take away all of our resources. But he grips us with his grace. He loves us, even when we don't deserve it, to himself. And more than that, he paid for us with his own blood, his own death, his own resurrection. Every time we commit sin, we commit spiritual adultery before God. Every time. If it's as small as a lie or as big as robbing a bank, sinning is committed and it's a horrible, heinous act before God. Sin is sin in the eyes of God. We all need forgiveness. He loves us so much, though, that he buys us back. Only one word that I can come up to describe that kind of love. Shazam. Shazam. God's love for you is so complete. Why do you continue to run around on him? Why do we continue just to prostitute ourselves to our own desires and wishes when God is out there with his arms open wide wanting to just lavish that love on us? Why do we do that? It's, maybe it's partly because we think this is all there is. Maybe we've somehow convinced ourselves that death is the end. I'm here to tell you there's far more living on the other side of the tombstone than there is on this. When we cross over from this life to the next, for those of us in Jesus Christ, death is just a, it's just a, a rug or doormat. That's all it is where we just wipe the sins of the world on it and step across into glory forever. So what are we afraid of? Why do we hold back from God? Why don't we just live fully for him? What's holding us back? i got to ask you that question today. What's holding you back? You know, there's some of us that maybe you've just never known that kind of love. Maybe you didn't understand that God gave that much for you or that still loves you in spite of yourself. There might be somebody who never heard that message before. I'm here to tell you. As a living example, it's true. There was no way in the world that God should have saved me. I wasn't worth it. I was way down. My head was not in the game, folks. I was running from God and doing a good job of it. And all of a sudden, I'm driving back from work. It's probably, what, 7.30 in the morning. Driving back from uh, Topeka, Kansas, where I was working at 11 to 7 at a tire plant, driving to my first class of the day at University of Kansas in Lawrence. And God shows up in that car. If you're ready, Larry, I'm here for you. This might be your last chance. I can hear that. This might be your last chance. But I'm here for you, and I love you. And I asked him in my heart that day. I said, I'll, I'll go wherever you want me to go. Because I know your way is a lot better than mine. And I want to get on that path. And I asked him in my heart. He can do that for you. He's got that kind of freedom for anyone who will ask. So bow your heads with me if you would. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name. And Lord, I... I think sometimes I don't know the half of how far away from God and how I hurt your heart 
by the stupid decisions that I made. I, I, I don't think I'll ever really fully understand it. But I know this, that you offered me freedom from myself. Freedom from my own stupid choices. Freedom from my own disobedience. Freedom from the slavery that I was about to buy into. You offered me freedom, Lord. In that moment, in that little Opal Cadet on the way back to Kansas. And Father, from that day to this, your love has been consistent. Even, even when I've made mistakes, you've been there for me. And when I turn my face back to you, all I see is a big smile and open arms ready to receive me. There's some in this place that maybe they've never felt that. Maybe they've never known that God is for them in that dimension, to that degree, to the same degree that God was for Gomer. God is for me and God is for them. And I pray that today, maybe for the first time, they'll receive in their heart that love, that acceptance, that grace, overwhelming grace. It wasn't deserved. It was unmerited favor, and I just pray that each one here will receive it. Search your heart with me for just a moment. And if you've been running the wrong way, and you know it, we know it. Sin doesn't sneak up on you. You make choices, and you know who's in charge of your heart, whether you're doing it yourself. I mean, the Bible says in the definition, I believe, of sin in Isaiah 53, 6, all we like sheep have gone astray. Each one goes his own way you know when you're going your way and not his and God's calling you up today and he's saying listen I'm going to give you a new start as I did with the prodigal as I did with Gomer I'm going to give you a new start today if you'll just run to me open your heart to him he's as close as a prayer if we will believe in our hearts that he is the Christ the son of the living God and confess it with our mouths and then turn our lives over to him and say Lord it's where you go that I want to go in that moment, your life will be changed. He's only a prayer away. If that's you with your heads bowed, your eyes closed in here for just a moment, I'm not going to embarrass anyone, but if that's you and you say, I'm not where I need to be in Christ, and I know it. There are things in my life that have separated me from God, and I know it. Then I'm going to invite you in this moment. I'm going to pray for you, and I'm going to believe with you that God is going to change your heart forever. So with that in mind, if that's you, I want you to do this one simple thing. With your heads bowed and eyes closed, just lift a hand up real high. Just lift it up. Sure, back there. Others, yeah. Sure. There's several that are lifting their hands, I believe. If you really believe that, if you really want that, I want you to take another step of faith. Just by, by faith, stand to your feet. Those that raised your hand, just stand up. I'm not going to embarrass you. I just want you to stand up for a minute. If you really meant it, I'm not, hey, if you don't mean it and you just did that to, for a friend, okay. But if you really mean it, stand up. And I want all of us to pray with these that are standing. All of us pray this prayer after me. Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. And I admit that I'm a sinner. That I've gone the wrong way too long. And I'm asking you today to forgive me. I offer you my life. Such as it is. Knowing that you love me, convinced that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God, and you are my hope for all eternity. Come into my heart, Lord. Cleanse me. Make me new. And I'm determined. 
that I'm going to follow you for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name. Now, everybody stand and rejoice with these. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Praise your holy name. He's good. He is so good. Praise the Lord. For those that prayed that prayer, if you really meant it in your heart, you need to come and tell one of these pastors up here what God is doing in your heart, why you prayed that prayer, and what it means to you going forward. And they'll want to have a word of prayer with you, too, I'm sure. Thank you, Pastor Larry. Let's give it up for Pastor Larry again as he brought the word. What an incredible encouragement. And uh, so we want to just conclude the service. And as uh, he said, if you just prayed that prayer with Pastor Larry, we want to invite you to meet us down right here. I'd love to talk with you briefly for a moment, pray with you, get to know you, and help you on the steps to, to what's next. And so we're really excited about that. But for the rest of you, I'd like to say a quick prayer and then dismiss you on to the rest of your day. So uh, let's lift our hands and, and bow our heads and say, uh, Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you for today and for your word, God. We thank you that you are a God who pursues us, even when we walk away from you, even when our lives are in total and other chaos, God, you love us that much, Lord. And uh, we just thank you for your word, and, and it reveals to us how much you love us and how much you're pursuing us and, and how you are a God who loves us no matter what, that it's not based on a love that's conditional but unconditional and agape God kind of love. And so, Lord, help us to love others in that same fashion. Lord, that we can be gracious and forgiving um, just as you are gracious and forgiving with us. And, God, I pray that you go before and behind us and all around us throughout each week. I pray your hand of blessing be on every member, attender, and newcomer in this building today, Father. Lord, that they would see you everywhere they go, that they would have a rich relationship with you and that you would walk with them and you would be their God and they would be your people and that you would uh, come alive in our hearts and we just give you praise and honor and glory for that in jesus name and all god's people said amen 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 god bless you as you go uh thank you for beating with us we'll see you here next week for another great service god bless you